Hi, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to CT Bites Hot Dish. I'm your host, Marisol Castro. So, listeners, we're going to do something a little different for this episode. We are actually outside, so you're going to hear some ambient sound like the person behind me who's looking at patio furniture. You may hear a car pass by. You may hear the chirping of a bird. You may hear the clanking of a dish. And that is because we are at Terrain, one of the coolest, most hippest restaurants in Westport, Connecticut. It's a place where you bring the outside in. You can buy everything from a rug to face serum, a plant, to one of the best cauliflower burgers you've ever eaten in your entire life. And helping me on this journey, two badass women, Lori Cochran and Jess Bankston. Cue the sizzle. Cheers, ladies. At the, I just want to... Salud. Cheers. Executive chef, Jess I'd Langston. I'd like that we can hear it. Executive director okay. of the Westport Farmer's Market. Thanks Thank for you so us. much. Uh, listeners, you should know, what what are we drinking? Jess came out with a tray of stuff. Time I are lemonade, but then we just spiked ours with some cross-culture kombucha. That's pretty fierce. I mean, why not? Yeah. So tell us, first of all, first of all, thank you both for sitting down with us and being part of our... Um, experiential podcast first time we've, we're doing this outside so we couldn't think of a better place to do it yeah, it's also fun. appropriate that it's like uh, earth week we just celebrated earth day um we brought you two together the boss lady and i because you two are really leading the charge as far as i'm concerned um in sustainability hmm. so i'm going to start with you Lori. you are the executive director of the westport farmers market which was not an easy feat to pull off so Talk to us about that for a little bit. How did you start? Where'd you get the idea? Um, so I did not come up with the idea. Actually, Paul Newman and Michelle Nishan started the Westport Farmers Market. God rest his soul. Amen. And uh, so I took the market over. The town was talking about closing it. And then some kind of market fairies, I would call them, came in and said, hey, would you be willing to run this? And I agreed. I left the corporate world and kind of embarked on this adventure and something that's been near and dear to my heart. And I've found that Westport is very welcoming. And I've also been able to drive things that I care about through it. And I think that there's this major core value of you're supporting small to mid-sized farms, you're supporting mom and pop businesses. You're only apt to grow your community and strengthen it. And I think that this area looks for things that are authentic and a farmer's market can bring that to a table. Absolutely. I can attest to that as someone who has gone to the farmer's market and I've gone to the farmer's market and I have seen you, Chef Jess. So tell us about the symbiosis between your relationship. In fact, I, didn't I meet you two together? I think you two were sitting inside. Or maybe I Probably. met you through the boss Probably. lady. Yeah. I can't say I remember the first time I met Lori, but I can say I can remember every second since then pretty well. <laughs> Yes, yeah, she's just. I mean, it's unmemorable. You're very. That is yes. such a good word. I would say probably one of the most inspiring women I've met in my life. Someone that like I really look up to, and I know all the other women in the community do, and and the men. And um, yeah, I joke because my favorite times with Lori is when she's standing on a chair, uh, speaking at engagements, really like kicking everybody's ass yeah. and like talking the talk. Yeah, it's awesome. And you really employ this idea of sustainable food. I want to say pretty early on in your career, I mean, you are the executive chef here, you've worked other places, but sustainability, I feel like, has always been at your core. 
No. I really? I'll yeah. go fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that every couple months that pass by, there's like the little light in your head that you're like, oh man, I've been doing this for so long. I can do this way better. And I actually don't think it was until I was working in Westport was I actually giving a crap about anything that I was doing really? as far as like uh, nutrition or sustainability or anything. Yeah. So what was the aha moment? Um, working in Westport and the clientele not giving you a choice but to, to give a shit. Interesting. Forcing you. I'll never forget my first menu I wrote in Westport and putting ranch on the menu and the owners being like, you can't put ranch on this <laughs> menu. So we called it Herb Aioli and, nice. and we went from there. But yeah, I mean, I, and I would say even now I look at things that I do now and I'm very unhappy with them and think that there's so much better that I could be doing. And, and progress and trying is the right. only measurement of success, I think. I think that's one of the things you do really well is you're always willing to try. Yeah. I mean, you do a lot of things really well, but you're willing to try and you're willing to put it out there and you, you want to learn and you're open to it. And one of the things I think as a society we have to be good at, it's very similar, good at doing, is similar to what Jess does. Try something. If you succeed, you celebrate it. If you fail, you pull on you pull your big boots on and you go on yeah. and do something else. You yeah, put you put your your big your big girl pants on. Your big girl pants on. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, be honest about be what honest you're not about, doing. Because there's a lot so, of things that I don't do right, and right. I'm just Same. trying to do better. And that's, I think, the battle. Well, I think it's a. It's first of all, you're being incredibly humble, which okay. I love. Um, and I think it's also why the experience at Terrain is so elevated. You, and correct me if I'm wrong, she gets a lot of her stuff from the vendors at the Westport Farmer's Market, is that yes. correct? Yes, Jess is a big supporter of local. And Terrain has been, since it was opened, its doors here. One of their first chefs, Adam, he he really worked with corporate to figure out how to do the buying. And I have seen Terrain, in each phase, focus on buying local. And I think ter- what I have found is that Jess has taken it to a new level. And one of the things that's refreshing about people like Jess and Bill Taby and a few other, Matt Storch, those guys, is that they come in and they don't necessarily want to promote themselves. They want to promote the fact that they're the product that they're buying. They're excited to be there. They're not the people that are walking around in the market being like, hey, let me get a picture of myself. Right. And, but they should do that as well because, <laughs> hey, why not? Because why not? Yes, exactly. But it's it's nice to see them actually buying and, and truly caring. And it's a better product, so why wouldn't you? Well, that's, that's what I was going to try to back into. Um, as a single mother of two boys, I'm very mindful about what I'm shoving down their throats. Amen. Um, that being said, buying organic, buying locally sourced food is not always cheap. True. So how do we, as a community, large and small, battle that? Or do we just say, listen, if you want to better I take egg, that question? I, was gonna say, I disagree. <laughs> no, I totally disagree. I disagree. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to... Yeah. Yeah, hit I me, think that me. this has been one of the things. It's, it's a total misnomer. There are items that are more expensive. If you walk into a farmer's market or you walk into Whole Foods, you walk in and you want to buy the heirloom tomato, yeah, it's going to be more expensive. But you come into a season mid-August and you want to buy tomatoes, you're going to buy tomatoes two cents on the dollar in comparison to what you're paying. But you have to start looking at your refrigerator differently, your pantry differently, in my humble opinion. And it's 
some of it's not this American buy where you go to the grocery store and your your grocery cart should be full or you go to the market and it should be full. It's it's buying what's in season, preserving it mm-hmm. if you are able to. And then actually the price point works. We have price shoppers at the market that literally come in the morning, they leave, go to the grocery stores and come back. And nine times out of 10, they will come back and buy the majority of their stuff at the market. No kidding. They buy in season, freeze, can, dry. And they I know, the per- and they know my- where, where the food is coming from. They know where the food's coming from. If you care about what chemicals are on your food, you care about what's being sprayed, uh, you really want to know. You want to know your farmer. I know I tout that a lot, but seriously, it's important. How many people do we know that have cancer? Right. If, you, or if you're eating healthy food and you know what you're putting in your body and you're not nuking your lawn with a bunch of chemical crap and you are buying and you actually are like using good cleaning product, nine times times you're going to be a healthier person. Sure. And as a mom, we should all be doing that. Right. Yeah. In my opinion. All right. There went my soapbox. I like it. It gets higher <laughs> faster. Jess, you, not standing on a chair this time. <laughs> not sitting on a chair, but the cocktail's good. Jess, what were you, you, you have a strong I'm, feeling about this too. Yeah, because this notion that we're, we spend that eating fresh produce and local and organic is so expensive. But what's expensive is the crap that you buy at the grocery store. So, like, we serve a plant I wouldn't say plant-based menu here but a, a most of our menus plant driven and I'm not buying much processed foods at whatsoever if you walk in my kitchen there's like a really small dry storage space of like spices and a few canned things um, and rices and stuff like that but my walk-in is overflowing and I have the best I have great food costs yeah I'm I'm just and even my bosses are like your food costs are amazing it's because I'm buying every single day when I run out of stuff, I run out of stuff, and I'm buying produce. I'm not spending a ton of my money on processed crap. Mm-hmm. Which and makes sense. And when it's gone, it's gone. For Even to that point, I was just thinking, so this week, I literally ate the last butternut squash I had from Fort Hill Farm. So it's been in my wow. it's been in my wine cellar or my storage unit or the scary room, whatever. Oh. You know, depends on who you are in our family, <laughs> what you call it. My husband and I call it the happy room. The kids are like, it's the scary room. But the but they're that my last butternut squash and it was gorgeous. And what so so if I want to have a scary room or a happy room, what what am I what do, you want? What am just, I doing in my in my house? It's basically an old cellar. You know, you think of how people stored food, so you want to keep it at fifty five degrees the mm-hmm. entire time. Ideally, at fifty. I think it can. I'm don't quote me on this. We could look it up, but I think it can go between forty eight and. 55 or 56, and it's fine. But you really don't want it to go below that 48. And how long had that butternut squash been there? Well, they would have harvested it in October. Wow. And the last one, call it April? April. I and literally you made it this week. And you the produce that you buy at the grocery store? Like, you put it in your fridge, and two days later, it's, it's freaking dead. garbage. Yeah. And the stuff that you buy at the farmer's market Lasts is sitting, forever. like, forever. Lasts right. forever. Well, think about the, that stuff. It's coming it in on... it's picked that day. It's picked that the day. And the grocery store like half weeks stuff, earlier. Completely. And the stuff that you're getting in a grocery store, it's rolling in in this big truck, and it's nuked with a bunch of spray right. to make it... Last, last, forever, or actually make it ripen, right? For the so that it looks perfect for us, and that's the other thing. It's like, what, who, and when did we get to the point where we think every tomato, every strawberry has to look perfect? No way, right? We don't look perfect. Why does that need to look perfect? Amen, sister. So, uh, well, you look perfect today. Well, that's yeah. you're crazy. <laughs> We're all wearing rose tinted glasses. Um, we started the before we started recording. You asked a very poignant question, Lori, which was, how do you pick? A fiddlehead fern. What is what is the secret? Like I, I kind of want to know when I go to the farmers market. How do I know that this mango is ripe? How do I know that this mushroom is 
the right one. Yes, and all that business. And and how do you pick a fiddlehead fern? When well, do you know it's ready to be picked? That's a great question. And As I think Jess has her arms crossed, she's like, don't ask me. I don't well, know. When I, have, I, th- I would say the, the first half of that question is ask the farmer behind the table because they'll tell you everything that you want. They'll tell you, Patty will tell you what dish to make, what ingredients to put into it. She'll give you a recipe and for stuff. And who is Patty? Uh, the farmer for uh, Sport Hill. So, like, ask the farmers what's good and what's not good. And as far as as far as far picking a fiddlehead fern, I have no clue. <laughs> yes. So, for the record, I would definitely look for a forager, an expert, an expert mm-hmm. forager, if you're out picking ferns. And don't eat them unless someone confirms that it's a fiddlehead. Right. I am not an expert on that. I'm not sure. Okay, totally. fine. So, but ramps, I definitely think foraging is super cool. Just cut the greens. Don't dig the bulbs. Be responsible. There's so many great, cool things we could be looking at. They're, they're hen of the woods. Uh, oh yeah, mushrooms all around. If I don't know how to pick those, I'm I don't. And I discovered that Westport's an old onion farm. <laughs> it used to be this place for onions. It is like a, a thousand years ago. Isn't that that? It completely did. The fields were covered with onions. We actually there's a farm oh. in Weston that they've just tilled the land, and all of these ancient onions are coming up. And there's this super cool girl. Uh, oh my gosh, I can't think of her name, but she's the seed huntress, and I adore her. And I can't. Why I need I to meet a seed huntress. You need to meet her. She is, yes, you will love her. And actually, that might be a great person to introduce you guys to because she's actually saving seed and she's bringing back the Southport Globe onion, oh, wow. which is what we were founded on. And all the warehouses and things in Southport, that's how they were prevalent because they were shipping onions in every day to New York City. Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. Well, you come for the CT Bites podcast, stay for the history lesson. Jesus Christ. All right. Um, did you always want to be a chef? No. What did you want to be? Oh, and by the way, while you're answering, I'm going to have some of your chickpeas. Oh, chickpeas are good. When you come to Terrain, what do you... Okay, quickly, before you tell me about being a chef. Yeah. What on earth do you do these chickpeas to make them so addictive? We fry them in oil uh, and then toss them in, like, salt and... I mean, sumac's the spice in there that I think catches everybody off guard that there is Mm. so good that they're just not used to tasting. And salt. That's it. That's it. Few ingredients. Big flavor. This... This has, I'm pointing at steak frites with the mm-hmm. ramp butter. This has five ingredients. This has four ingredients. There's, There's like a charcuterie platter. I have like platter. a five and under rule in a dish. If I can't name it in like five or six things, it's probably got too much I stuff it. in it. All I right. like that. Um, because I always want to be a chef. I No, I fell into it by accident when I was 15 years old as a cashier at like a little seafood joint in Rhode Island. And then the guy on like my first night was like, I need you to drop fries in the basket. And I was like, what the hell is a basket? <laughs> And then all of a sudden I was behind the line cooking food and then I never went back to the register. I just, it was, and then I had a small stint in my mid, early 20s where I thought, man, I can't do this much longer. I better get a real job. So I went to school to be a hairdresser. No way. Yeah. And uh, thinking, oh, I won't have to work nights and weekends and it won't be so bad on my back and my feet. <laughs> and then now being married to a hairdresser and realizing that's pretty much the same job. So right. I dropped, I was, a, I was a beauty school dropout. Nice. And being a chef the entire time, like cooking put me through that school and still paying for it. But uh, I never did anything else. And you, you wouldn't change a thing? Or would you? Uh, I would be smarter for who I'm working for. And that's really about it. Yeah. But even those things like really made me pretty fast on my feet now. Like right. I can recognize bullshit from like a mile away. Yeah. No, you have it's to my have, strong suit. I think you, ha- you need a good BS meter in your oh, line yeah. of business. It's uh, in my line of business, too. Jeez. Yeah. What do you hope the experience is when folks come to Turin? Uh, I hope they're getting a pretty 
fair level of like great food, great service, and a great experience. And I think terrain, that's like our, if you're not getting that, you're missing out. Yeah. Um, Do you think you're trying to educate the eater a little bit? You've been one of the first people to successfully pull off veg dinners. No kidding. I mean, you did that wood burning situation. I saw your Instagram story and I was like, damn, these kids. I wish I could leave them and go see what the heck she's doing You know what's so weird is now when I don't do it, when it's not a veg dinner, people aren't like loving it because I think that the vegetarian and the vegan diners feel so excluded from these events that once you create events for them, they're like so loyal. So I get people that have been coming back to the same ones and the farmer's market dinners. Right. People was, are like, when's the next farmer's market dinner? When is the it, first, by the way? Hello. I think we're talking June or July. Fine. Yeah. I, I will look in the mail for my invite, by the way. Yeah. Of course. But people, uh, yeah, educating the diner, having the menu that rotates, like when stuff's out, I can reprint menus every day if I have to. When things run out, they run out and substituting things when I have to. So I'm not like, you know, if I can't get kale that day, I'm not. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. But yeah, we talk about that all the time. Like, as much as it is for a job of the chefs and the people in the industry, the, our biggest responsibility is, like, educating the consumers and what role they play in everything. Yeah. And now, a word from our sponsor. Norwalk Now, where businesses come together to bring you their city in real time. Experience Norwalk's vibrant dining scene from quintessential New England fare and locally sourced seafood to low country cuisine. Prime steaks, Italian favorites, Mexican eats, and high-spirited drinking wells. Visit norwalknow.org and meet the talented chefs, restaurateurs, and barkeeps who continue to raise the bar of our local dining scene. For restaurant news, special events, seasonal promotions, and more, visit norwalknow.org. Talk to me about, um, both of you please, food rescue. Since you're the speaker tomorrow night, let's yeah. hear it. Food yeah, rescue. buddy. Steph's doing a little arm pump over here, as she should. <laughs> that's the boss lady. Food rescue, I think, is the first thing that's ever, like, really hit me as, like, something that I'm really passionate about volunteering for and helping for. And I... What is it? It's an organization? Food, yeah, food rescue, basically, I don't know. Um, they rescue food that would be going getting thrown away, and yep. they bring it to food insecure receiving agencies so homeless shelters um stuff like that so i just met up with food rescue through doing their event for years and years and i didn't really know what it was until i met nicole Strait, who's there um the director for fairfield county and it wasn't until like a year ago that i really started realizing that if we don't start changing how we act the planet's going to be dissolved into like nothing mm-hmm. and i was like shit we should probably start talking about this and yeah. doing something about it. So as much as I care about getting food to like the people that need it, I think the bigger fear factor for me is saving the planet. And just food waste is 90% of our landfills, right? No. Yep. Is, it, really? is it 90? It's, it's That's 90. I thought wow. medical waste was high. It's either 80 or 90. It's I said this on the yeah. plastic. And animal agriculture is like, Ugh. it's insane. So your work with them is to bring awareness about how much food we're wasting. Yeah, I just talk about them every second that I can. (laughs) Uh, I donate food when I have it, but again, I fly through food so fast on a daily basis. Like, that's part of ordering fresh and using fresh Mm -hmm. produce. I can't keep it fast enough. Um, And try to get people to volunteer for them. So they are cool because they don't take up any space. They don't have any trucks. They don't have a warehouse. Their organization is app-based, and they organize people volunteers to go pick up the food and drop it off so they're taking up very little space yeah they're lessening their their carbon footprint right and what is your involvement 
I'm just a supporter. Yeah. I would I wouldn't say I have a tremendous amount of involvement. I've volunteered for them, I've supported them, we've we talk about them. And uh, we actually through the market had started a program with Bridgeport Rescue Mission. So we do they collect our food at the end of the market. And we've always been in support. I think there's been once where the uh, Bridgeport couldn't pick it up, so they food rescue came and got it, which is great. I mean, I think it's a I think it's a tremendous organization. I think we do need to be thinking about food insecurity. I think we need to think more about food waste because there would be less food insecurity. I think there are a tremendous amount of vegetables that are going to waste in fields that could be harvested mm-hmm. and prepared into food that could have been canned and saved for people. It's called gleaning. And uh, I think the mission, I think we need to look at the mission. I mean, I know stuff's shaking her head. I, I yeah. think even from Food Rescue, like everybody needs to look at what that mission means. If you're trying to save food for people, what are you doing to make sure that planet's still here with, right. the, with those people? Right. And the reality of it is the planet may, Mother Earth is pissed at us. I mean, mm-hmm. let's just get it straight. Well, like, we haven't we, been very good to uh, her. We suck. And so, as everyone will tell you, I am like the big, I can be an environmental buzzkill. I'm super fine, but I can definitely buzzkill the hell out of it. And the reality is, she'll just scoot us off the planet. So, we all should be real. We're actually talking about saving our asses. We're not talking about saving the planet. We're talking about saving human asses. And that's, my mother would be so upset with me cussing right now. (laughs) But it, you know, we are talking about saving us. And we're talking about saving future generations. You guys want to have kids. You have kids. I have kids. I'd like to see some grandkids at some point, you know, and... I'd like to see a polar bear in that time. And the reality of it is, is that Mother Earth, yeah, Mother Earth is about yeah. to give us a good whopping that we deserve. Yeah. And not in like a hundred years. We're talking Told like... Told y'all, so environmental ten, buzzkill. Ten no, years. I like it. I like it. But I also, I, I hear the twang. Don't get Lori Cochran upset. Do you hear this twang? <laughs> it comes she out. Just, she, Roanoke, yeah. Virginia is in Westport. Amen. Star City <laughs> of the South, baby. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing. So my upbringing is really who I am. I think at a core, I think when you're young, you you try to move away from who you are. You know, the biggest things everybody tells you you're going to be your mother. I'm really honored to be like my mom. I'm super honored to be like my dad and my brother. I just got choked up. And uh, yeah, I I come from a really great place. And if you hear me talk about it, the food's amazing. I'm still, truthfully, my freezer is full of the meat that I've been buying from the same farmer that my mother bought from. And you know, my mom grows this garden, she throws seeds out, it all grows. And, you know, I grew up every Saturday. I tell the story sometimes. So you talk about what got me into this. Yeah. The reality is I grew up every Saturday going to a farmer's market. And my mom would go to the baker and she'd buy this big, gorgeous loaf of bread. And then there's a cheesemonger that would make Cavardi cheese. And she would sit us in the back of the car with my brother. And this is at a time where, you know, you didn't have seatbelts. So she'd take the curve. <laughs> this probably means she was driving pretty fast. And at that point, she was probably having a cocktail, too. But anyhow, so we'd take the curve, and we're, like, tearing the bread at the center of the bread out and eating the cheese. And you would just hang onto the bread and cheese and just slide across because you didn't want to let go. So, you know, you're just, like, eating and going. And then you'd slide back. And that's, you know, I just grew up really loving farmers and knowing the value that they bring to the land and they bring to a community. And the, the food involvement kind of came. I mean, the reality of it is after I got out of school living out west, I think I survived off of hot dogs and chocolate-covered gummy bears for a while. Didn't we all, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And But you, you come back to it. And what I have found about a farmer's market is that it's a community entry. And at a time in my life where I was feeling disconnected from a community, I was able to go back and start volunteering there. And same for here. I mean, my husband, we left Jackson Hole to move here. I did not know a single soul. I know I have one guy friend from high school that lives in Darien. Literally did not know a soul. Got to this town and was just dying. I didn't know what, yeah. I didn't know what to do or where to go. And so my husband very wisely was like, hey, why don't you go to the farmer's market and volunteer? And I just pulled up and said... 
Can Ryan? I help? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, it was the most exciting day, by the way. So at the when end of the day, this? this is in 2000. This would have been in 2009. Yeah, we had just gotten hitched. Oh, wow. Moved here. And then I literally show up down there. There's a woman, Sherry Brooks Venton, ran the market at the time. And I said, Can I? I'll just volunteer. And she said, Well, if you'll come back next time, I'll uh, I'll pay you $10 an hour. What? And I got into the car and call, called Nate and said, Oh my God. I got a job. I'm going to make $60 a week and I am going to run a farmer's market. You, yes. I'm not going to run. Excuse me. I was just helping her. Yeah. She was running the market. But it was so fun. And to this day, I remember that of just so excitement. And truthfully, taking on running this market was a little bit of an ego play for me. You know, mm-hmm. I just thought I've been in corporate marketing. Should I stay with that? And there was something that just kept driving me down this path. And I'm really grateful it did, obviously, because I get to sit here with you people. Some of my the really good friends are at this table. On the planet oh, my God. We're so yeah. lucky. And we hang out with really cool people. We all are trying to we're trying to do something here. All of us, all of us at this table, all of our friends that will listen to this. We're just freaking trying to be change agents and maybe make a difference and maybe make somebody smile here and there. Yeah. And I think and one of the reasons why I do this podcast with a boss lady is because I firmly believe like. There's so much love that can be expressed through food, right. whether it is this delicious French fry or that chickpea or that loaf of bread. It's what brings people together. Totally. It's when you're, yeah, it's when you get to sit down like this and you're well, sitting Westport's around the table doing and talking. this really interesting thing that I don't think is happening in many other places where everybody's like working together mm-hmm. and helping each other. Sh- what, what a novel concept. What a novel idea that like there's a handful of chefs I can like text and be like, Hey, can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? And they're like, yeah, I'll bring it to you. You want to come pick it up? What do you want? Like, that doesn't exist in other places. That's really interesting because I've often wondered. So, Steph, how many of these have we done? Six-ish, right? Seven? Six or seven? She's playing the part of mute right now. Um, But I often wonder with the chefs that we interview what the congeniality is, like what the... And I have a good BS meter, too. So when I hear Bill Taby say, no, Lori, Lori Cochran, like, we walk through the farmer's market together, I'm like, oh, no, he's not bullshitting me. Like, it's, it's absolutely true. Tell, tell me about your experience as a chef in Connecticut, because there is a lot of competition. There are a lot of you, very few women. So what is your experience like? Are you like bros? Are you like a-hole bodies? Are you like, no, I need like, parsley tonight, Matt? I would say 90%, 90% of it's really... I don't know how to say it nicely. A lot of it really sucks. Yeah. And a lot of it's really, the BS meter goes like all the time. And then there's a percentage that's like amazing. And then there's guys like Bill and then there's um, friends like, you know, Emily. And Mm -hmm. there's just people that are just in these Rolodex and the farmers and people like Lori too, or Steph that you're just like, Hey man, I'm desperate. Like if I needed hands to work an event, like I bet you that anybody sitting at the table would be like, I got you. Mm -hmm. you. Like you're not a chef, whatever. Like you're going to show up and do it. Um, I'll chop like nobody's business. Yeah. And and that's just how even like with Nicole, like there's so many people that will just do anything for you, which is amazing. And then there's the people that are just like gross and it sucks. And you're just like, all right, bye. And whatever. They they get get pushed out here. Yeah, exactly. This community does not absorb that very well. And, it's amazing to watch them because they clamor to go to the top and they are not there's not a top but you know what I mean they just clamor to be in and then like you said the cheese factor seems to just kind of ooze people out but I am going to tout Steph and I's horn for just a second because the group you're talking about so we put on a mental health event for chefs thank you for bringing this up because I have that in my notes and we 
it was important. It was important to the two of us. And at the time, it was funny because everyone's like, so what press are you going to have there? What coverage are you going to have? And we said this wasn't for anything except for the fact that we recognize that chefs give back to our community so much. The amount of gift certificates these people are asked for, or how many events they do, how much money, the money that they're putting in to go do even Food Rescue tomorrow night is tremendous amount of money and effort and so I, we kind of wanted to get, get, do something to give back and say thanks. And out of that, we created a group called Monday Mees, which Jeff just, re, uh, Jess just referenced. And it's a guy named Jay LeBlanc from Not Norms. Phenomenal caterer and super cool guy who really, uh, we need, it's one to watch for sure. Lauren Crater and Bill Taby. And it, what it is, is it's a net, chef networking group. And it's a chef support group. And we're bringing, so I I know that's happening in other areas. I definitely don't want to say we've invented the wheel. But what I do love is that... You show up in a room and it's everybody that owns a diner to the people that own the nicest restaurant. And everybody's just trying to work together. Jess is what she said. She sent a text message out. And it's like, I need a line cook. And people actually are trying to find her a line cook. They're wow. not competing. They're realizing that if we pull our resources, especially on an employment level, one, we can drive people mm-hmm. out from the city to want to work here. We can offer fair wages. Everybody knows what everybody's offering. And you have less of this competition back and forth, I think. So you have this... Tell me again what it's called, this group? It's called Monday Mees. Monday Mees. Monday Mees. We meet every other month, and it's a program-oriented, curated chef networking group. And I do it. It's under the umbrella of the farmer's market, Mm -hmm. but really, I'm just honestly supporting it because I think that this network of people, one, I want more chefs to shop at the market. Let's be real. But... Two, it's just I think this group of people, especially the core, like Jess and everyone else we've named a million times, are all supporting the market. Right. And I think the, like, for me, the mission is no longer about, like, reinventing food. And I literally just went on a rant about this the other day on Instagram about, like, I have no desire to make, like, the best, like, like, I have no desire to be the best chef from a culinary perspective my only desire these days is to try to create an environment and a workplace that people actually want to, that can get better. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's like a common thread around here is like, we all make, everybody makes great food. Every restaurant here is the best of the best. Every chef is freaking a James Beard Award winning. Like there's mm-hmm. no, from that culinary perspective, not much sets everybody aside. But what does set everybody aside is like, what are we working towards sustainability? Are we trying to make our work environments better? Are we trying to make a safer workplace for the women? Are we investing in our farmers? Like what are we doing outside of that like box that really can't be, it can't get any better. Like yeah. It's been done before. We, that's she like, just took me to church right now, by the way. Amen. Well, this only, I'm going to bring it home with an amen. It's the only thing that gets me fired up anymore because I'm like so tired of talking about the boys and talking about the awards and talking about everybody's like, oh, do you want to do this uh, this chef competition? No, I freaking don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. What I want to do is I want to pay my line cooks really, really good. Mm-hmm. I want people to have like regular lives. I want the women to be like encouraged and have a place to go work. And I want the restaurant industry to be normal. Yeah. And it ha- that's what I give a shit about. Thank you. And I don't want to talk about anything else because the food's food. Well, I actually, I, I'm going to give you some respect on that one because I do, I think we've gotten into this phase where it, we actually were on a, a panel or just talking to people recently and everybody keeps bringing up this girls against guys. Or it's not girls against guys, but it's like, Jess, how are you with the female chefs? The chef, the chef competition you're talking about. You know, it's, 
why? Like, yeah. they're all talented. Who who cares if they're a guy or a girl, if they're good and they're supporting their community? Get over it. Like, it, I get that there's inequality and I get all of that. Don't get me wrong. I'm probably one of the strongest females we're going to come yeah. up against. But reality, you're stronger by just being equal. But yeah, exactly. That's your strength. By showing up saying, and being exactly I will show up and are. I will support and I will drive these issues home and, I, and I'm going to set my ego aside and I'm going to make it about others. Right. That is strength. Right. I agree with you. I mean... You all know I'm the first female PA announcer for the Mets, and it's so nice to be around a bunch of women for this podcast, but it's, you know, I often say, I don't want that, in 10 years, I don't want it to be the first female anything. I want it to just be, here's a human being that was really qualified, and totally, period, full stop. It's funny, because I I get this quite frequently, and I am rabbling up, sorry, I, I, I get this frequently. People are like, oh, you get paid to run the farmer's market? Yeah, yeah, I get paid. I there's that we have created something right now that where people think that if you do good, you great create good food. You're an announcer. You're doing a podcast. You do a great blog that promotes restaurants. You're not supposed to get paid. When did when did doing good not no. make money? Like no, yeah, the, no, no. that shift is gone. And I think us all standing together and saying, hey. I, I would want, I want to be the first woman to bring in another 50 right. PA right. Right. announcers and we're there. I mean we're lucky. We're in a time that we're lucky. I just I truthfully as females, I don't want us to abuse it. I want us to take this moment and and do this do this with a lot of intention so that our daughters and our granddaughters don't look back and see it that we threw this opportunity out the door. Yeah, I want to get Amen. paid the same exact amount of money that the chef before me would, but I also want people to not be like, oh, can I pick up that bag of potatoes for you? No, I'm freaking fine. Right. I can pick <laughs> up the bag of potatoes. Amen. Thanks, dude. Yeah. I'm good. I would, I and if drop. I couldn't, I wouldn't deserve the money that you're paying me to do it, so right. what's the point? Like, I can do both things. I deserve the the same thing. And I also hate talking about it, and one of the things I avoid the most, and same thing when it comes to like being like in the gay community, is like, the less I talk about it, the less... It's a thing. It just exists. Right. It's just, it's part of who you are. It literally it. means nothing. Yeah. But yeah. can I just say, congratulations on your nuptials. Oh, woo, thanks. Woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. Married. Married life. Married life. Is How different is it then? I'm only doing this because you're the youngest one in the group. Um, it's not any different at all. It's the exact same thing. We've been together for a long time and known each other for a long time. And it's like the most fun, amazing thing of all time. Do you cook at home or does she? I don't do anything at home. I'm, nice. uh, and she cooks a little bit, <laughs> but we're not, we don't see each other often. She's a hairdresser. hairdresser so we have the same, I'm the chef. So yeah, I'm working six days a week and 10 to 12 hour days, but I'm also a terrible cook at home because I treat every piece of equipment <laughs> as I would at, at the restaurant. So like I go to pick up like scissors, like their kitchen scissors, like no. NSF scissors and I break everything at home so listeners i mean this is breaking news <laughs> you don't know kitchen equipment's so different than the stuff that you, the crap that you buy at home so when i go to pick stuff up i just break it and that's what she likes to call jessing something when you jess something when you jess something is when you treat it improperly and break it and and with that we've never heard so much action on the post road <laughs> Until Jess started preaching about, <laughs> about jessing. Yeah. I think jessing is the new coin term out of this I'm entire calling Miriam. That's yep. going to be the word of the year for this year. Jessing something. Jess. I don't like cooking at home. Period. I eat more Full takeout stop. than any person ever should. All right, Except fine. for you're going to take your own to-go containers. Yes. And that is going to be part two. Lori Cochran, Jess Bankston, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. this. delicious spread. The wonderful conversation. 
And there will be a part two. Quickly tell me when the Westport Farmer's Market opens up outdoors. We open May 23rd, 10 to 2, every Thursday. I will be there with my reusable bag. Will you help me shop? Yeah. Perfect. So will I. I love it. By the way, if you didn't know the Westport Farmer's Market, it's the coolest place to hang out on Thursdays. Oh, it's I, eat, I can eat every meal there, yeah. by Good. the way. We like it. And there's entertainment. I could go on and on. But thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you if you love what you're listening to, please like us on iTunes, CT Bites Hot Dish uh, at iTunes or anywhere else where you get your podcast. You can also follow our shenanigans on all means social media at CT Bites. Stuff that doesn't make it onto the podcast sometimes makes it onto our IG stories. Thanks, you, Steph, for CT Bites. You've been warned. <laughs> warned. Bring until, it on. Until next time. And now a word from our sponsor. Norwalk Now invites you to experience a city on the move, featuring a melting pot of food cultures and truly unique dining destinations located throughout the coastal city of Norwalk, Connecticut. From quintessential New England fare and locally sourced seafood to low country cuisine, prime steaks, Italian favorites, Mexican eats, and high-spirited drinking wells, Norwalk Now is thrilled to introduce you to some of the best restaurants in the county. We invite you to visit NorwalkNow.org and meet some of the talented chefs, restaurateurs, and barkeeps who continue to raise the bar of our local dining scene. Get the most up-to-date restaurant news, special events, happy hour details, seasonal promotions, and so much more at NorwalkNow.org, where businesses come together to bring you their city in real time. You can also check out their events on Instagram and Facebook at NorwalkNow.